SAFM Sports Wrap. 6.30 on SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader. It's a powerful Thursday leading up to what should be a rather entertaining weekend in sports. So much to watch, certainly. And uh, we're going to be discussing a few of those things on the footballing front. Telcom knockout starts and indeed uh, Mark Marquez might wrap things up in the MotoGP. We'll discuss that in the show today. And of course the uh, live cricket. Get to that in a moment. But let's uh, give you some uh, news stories starting off with Rugby Sharks. Coach Robert Dupree naming his uh, team for Saturday's Curry Cup final against Western Province at uh, Kings Park. Dupree making only one change to the team that beat the Bulls. 37-27 in the semi-finals last weekend. Odwan Dungane starts on the wing in place of Spungosi, who's out with a dislocated elbow. Meanwhile, province coach John Dobson has made a number of positional shifts in his backline. Two changes to the forward pack for the Curry Cup final. Backline reverts to the same combination which started in the 31-20 win over the Sharks in Durban two weeks ago. Damien Willems is at fullback. Dylan Lates moves to the wing to take the place of Ruan Nell, who in turn shifts into midfield, alongside who Jones in place of the injured E.W. Fulhoun. Up front, both flanks change. Kumbuzi Nolce starts, uh, replaces Johan Yoko uh, Kutsia, rather, who's ruled out with concussion. Kurvis Visa comes in for uh, Kurvis Van Dijk, who drops to the bench. Bafana Bafana coach Stuart Baxter's recalled Kaiser Chiefs uh, Spiwe Shabalala for the back-to-back FIFA World Cup qualifiers against Senegal next month. He's also brought back uh, Tulane Tlachwayo from injury, while Mulumu Wandao Mato and Dean Furman return from suspension. Bogani Zungu and Anjile Jali, both suspended for at least the first match, are both called up. Uh, Bungani Zungu has a, a pending FIFA disciplinary case and might be available for the away leg to Senegal. Hockey, I can tell you that South Africa beat um, Egypt 11-0 in the women's uh, fixtures at the Africa Cup of Nations pool match in Egypt. In the men's, it was South Africa against Egypt, played to a rather entertaining three-all draw. Cricket news, I can tell you that South Africa currently 72 for one against Bangladesh in the first T20 international in Bloemfontein. Got uh, Tando Kamane from the Mangong Oval. Tando, what's happening? This is Sport on SAFM, every supporter's greatest resource. SFM, South Africa's news and information leader. Well, let's talk about the Telcom knockout. It begins tomorrow. Yes, tomorrow, 8 o'clock. Maritzburg United are going to be hosting the first match of the uh, Telcom knockout. But uh, before we get into that specifically, I'd like to chat to uh, a man who is not only at the Bafana Bafana press conference today, but is going to be taking us through a couple of the Telcom knockout fixtures. Delighted to welcome on the line from independent newspapers, chief soccer writer, a man you can follow on Twitter, at, at Superjourno, Mazula Mulefa. Thanks for joining us. Good evening. Hey, good evening, Dwayne Locke, and good evening to your listeners. It's good to chat to you again. Just uh, before we get on to the Telkom knockout, uh, quick comment on Spio Shabalala's return to the international fold and uh, Tukil Rantia making himself unavailable. What went down at the Bafana Bafana press conference today? Yeah, listen, I, I think if, if it were any other you know, 33-year-old player coming back into the Bafana fold after a four years uh, hiatus, there, there would probably be a bit of an uproar. But I think... It's probably well deserved. I mean, you know, few few eyebrows were were, were raised literally when Stuart Baxter announced that Pierre Shabalala um, <clears throat> had had made his return to uh, the the national setup ahead of the two back to back. I think you know win or bust uh, scenario for for Bafana Bafana against uh, Senegal here at home and then in Dakar a couple of days later next month. You know, I think you know to to use Baxter's own own, own description of of the whole thing. I think. Uh, Shabalala has proved that he's, he's perhaps the most influential player in the PSL right now. And it's quite evident in, 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 in the way he carries himself and plays and has played for Kaiser Chiefs over the last two and a half seasons, especially since uh, uh, Steve Compella has taken over and it's been a real struggle for him to win trophies. He's 
been able to not only count on Ipimene Kune and Willard Kazande, but, but on Shaba as well, you know, uh, an assist machine, you could call him that, you know, chips in with crucial, crucial goals, uh, and is influential in the dressing room and, and on the pitch. So uh, no surprises there uh, for me. And, and I think for a lot of people, the general feeling is that it's well deserved. And uh, just regarding Rantier, we're ruling himself out. You think good move, bad move? Or is he just sticking his hand up as a professional and taking responsibility when he's not in the right space? Yeah, I think I, I would probably you know, blame uh, the, the Football Association and the player as far as he's concerned. It's not the first time, it's not the second time. He has it the third or the fourth time that to give Rantier is, is, is out of considered for, for, for national team selection. And uh, I say I, I blame the FA because they've, they've never punished him in the past. You know, they've always, they've let, you know, they've not, not even slept his wrist, you know, uh, in terms of, of what he's done in the past when he was getting married and he didn't bother to tell anyone that he was getting married ahead of a opening uh, Asians Cup qualifier against Gambia a couple of years ago, you know, pitching late uh, for the Cape Verde game. And and uh, and arriving late, and then he's no show actually when we played Burkina Faso in the opener of the World Cup qualifiers in October last year in Ouagadougou. So you know they, <clears throat> there's a sequence of, of events in which if you are being told that Gelorandi uh, has never really wanted to, he, he's got issues with, with with playing for the national team. You know, it, it's all there for everyone to see. So I'm not surprised he's hardly ever in the right frame of mind. You know, the sad part is that, of course, in this era right now, he is the Rafana top goal scorer with 12 or 13 goals, I believe. So yeah. if you are going into a must-win a qualifier, it's a man that you, that you need. But Percy Dao has stepped up, and Brady Hobler, you know, you know uh, or Dinan Glovu, and, and all these other guys have, have shown glimpses that maybe perhaps they can fill in the gap. I'm a little bit sad not to have him there, but he's clearly, you know, he, he picks, he's starting to pick and choose his games now. Yeah, as a Chelsea supporter, you would have watched him with interest, of course, in the Champions League, Dino and Dovo. That said, uh, <laughs> let's talk about the Telkom knockout briefly, uh, Mazola. I mean, uh, Chiefs, you spoke about them and uh, the influence of Spiro Chabalala in particular, but I mean, they're coming to this match against Amazulu over the weekend off the back of a really good, I thought, three points against Sundowns and a point against Pirates in the last week of PSL action that they had, but do you feel they're going to be feeling a little bit of pressure knowing that there's only two cups left in the season and that they've been trophyless in the last two? Do you get that sense that they are feeling a little pressure? Yeah, definitely. Look, uh, Amazon, you might not be, you know, um, a team that will send you uh, shaking in your boots at this point in time. But because of the context, you know, uh, in terms of where you find themselves in, this, this is a, a pressure cooker for, 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 for Steve Compella. If you thought... If he, if he thought he was in a, in a boiling pot or what have you in those games against Sundowns and Orlando Pirates, now he goes straight into the frying pan because teams haven't won a trophy since he's been there. You know, so it's, um, it's, it's a bit tricky for him. Uh, they have to keep winning. Of course, you know, people, people sang, sang his praises, obviously, when he, um, when he beat Sundowns, uh, and he, he made the point that he's, Orlando Pirates, but the fact of the matter is, teams haven't done anything yet. They haven't won anything yet in terms of silverware since since, since he's been there. And should they lose uh, this this opening round of the TKO uh, this season, uh, there will be an uproar, there will be a backlash, and there will be calls again for him to to vacate the post. 
Yeah, let's talk about Orlando Pirates then, uh, Crosstown Rivals. But Pirates have a bit of a history against Golden Arrows, but they're coming into a fixture against a Golden Arrows side that's unbeaten this season and, uh, and, and playing at home. I mean, just, just how up against it are Pirates going to be on Saturday? Yeah, Pirates themselves haven't looked convincing during, uh, um, you know, uh, Mitchell, for all, all his talk about, you know, creative, uh, build-ups and the ability to be able to defend and still put pressure on the opposition. You know, we haven't seen much fruit. You know, yes, you know, if you look at the rock table, it may tell a different story because they, they're in the top three. You know, they obviously, you know, the season is still quite, quite in its infancy. Uh, but Orlando Pirates is a big club and fans are expecting big things. You know, it is taking a bit of time for him to, to get it right. But unfortunately, he does not have the, the luxury of, of, of being afforded the time to, to get things to click. Uh, he has to, to hit the ground up and running and to face a golden arrow side that's, that's unbeaten, that probably knows that, you know, uh, their situation on the log table right now is perhaps temporary, uh, given the number of the games that are still to come. So maybe they look to the cup to say, let's, let's get something, uh, this season and, 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 and show for it by a cup competition, finish as, as high as we could, possibly could on, on the log table and maybe aim to, to, to win a trophy. I think it's, it's going to be tough for, for, for Mitchell and the Orlando Pirates team. I think the fixtures that really interest me over the weekend as well as uh, the, the Limpopo versus Cape Town uh, or uh, even you could argue Pulukwane against Cape Town I suppose because uh, two fixtures there happening on Saturday and Sunday in successive days um, it's uh, Pulukwane City hosting Ajax on Saturday and then on Sunday Barocco hosting Cape Town City but how do you feel those battles might go down especially considering the team at the top of the league in, in Barocco are going to be hosting the defending champions on Sunday it's, it's one of my picks of the round yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, I mean, look, I think Benny, uh, at the moment, uh, obviously getting a taste of, of what it's like in, in, in the big time. And, you know, he hasn't won a game in, 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 in three or four right now, if, if I'm correct. So it's, it's proven to, to really be tough and to try and, uh, motivate, uh, the players now and again, to and motivate the players now and again to, to, to actually uh, win, win, win the game and to show that they are, uh, what they did last season or, uh, even the season before that when they were in Pumalanga Black Aces or no fluke, it's gonna be a tough challenge. Uh, Pulukwane City, there was all this talk that, um, Bernard Bulekwa was on his way out, uh, but the men still there, they're, uh, grinding results and, you know, this, this could be another, another way for him to, to try and push and go as far as they possibly can in a cup competition to prove that they are actually a strong team and whatever they've done in the past did not hinge only on, on previous coach uh, Luke Mayer. Speaking of Luke uh, Mayer, who's uh, now at Free State Stars, uh, he's going to be facing off against Gavin Hunt in a match that pits, pits, pits against Free State <laughs> Stars in a cup tie of the weekend. And where, where have we heard... Is, is this one of those where you go... We have seen this movie before, and the trailer, and we've seen the sequels time and time again. I mean, this is probably the most common fixture of the last three seasons. And Gavin Hunt must be, must be afraid. Yeah, I mean, and, and Brian Joffe as well, when he sees that fixture, he gets up, you know, he, he gets hard palpitation because uh, we, we all know, I mean, it's, it's no secret that, you know, uh, Free State Stars are, are the Red Side uh, Team, if, if I can put it like that. But the difference here, I think, perhaps is the fact that Vets have a home ground advantage. You know, I don't know if that, that really does much to inspire them because even when they've played Free State Stars at home, 
Gavin Hunt has come out to say it should have been a tennis score, but it's actually a nil-nil draw. Yeah. You know, and and they Fishing Stars have looked very good since Luca Emil took over. You know, even you know the players that didn't perhaps deliver the previous season under various coaches, Luca is, is definitely trying to get the best out of them. So I think I think this. This could be a banana skin for 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 Vets, who we all know that you know they I think they've won one game in ten all season long. The the the, the defending PSL champions are struggling at the minute, and to come up against a side that they've never been able to beat in the time that uh, Gavin Hunt has been there, especially when they play away from home, is going to be another you know uh, tough task. Uh, another fixture I want to turn your focus to briefly is uh, Sunday. Chipper United against Mamelodi Sundowns at the Sisi Dugashi Stadium. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Sisi Dugashi hasn't been quite the happy underground this season that uh, that uh, that it has been previously for uh, uh, Chipper United. But uh, Bochum Oloy's got that first win under his belt now after a series of draws and facing a Sundown side that have uh, lost uh, lost uh, lost their way slightly in in terms of league action. Yeah, it's, it's a bit confusing what is happening there. You know, obviously when they lost to Amaz last weekend, you know, Peter blamed the, the, the officiating, which, which I must admit was pretty, pretty, pretty bad. You know, some of the calls offside, penalties not given. But at the same time, this is a sundown a team that has got an embarrassment of riches on the pitch, on the bench, in the stands. You know, so they should be able, even if when, when the, when the coach switches the team around, they should still be able to, uh, to 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 have enough you know, quality quality in the team to, to 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 see the game through, but they haven't been able to do that. Um, you know, it's an, an incredible stat of the number of games they've won uh, versus the, the the number of games they've drawn and lost in, in the last 20 or so, uh, especially since their Champions League time. Now being knocked out of the Champions League has that had an effect on the players. You know, uh, are they fatigued? What what really is the problem? You know, has you know, Peter has been has Peter been there for too long? Does he have a shelf life? You know, so you know, it's, it's all types of context there. And Chipa is starting to get it right under under Tebo Homoloi now, having won their first game in, in six since he took charge. So, you know, it's going to be a thriller uh, in East London on, on Sunday, I think. Uh, the the last match I want to get your take on is is one that I think is is, is going to be intriguing for a number of reasons. Bloemfontein Celtic, uh, they're, they're a little hot and cold, but they're playing at Dr. Mulamela Stadium. But they're up against the SuperSport United team that has just made the CAF Confederation Cup final. And so often we've seen how continental competition affects domestic competition. But what are you expecting from SuperSport United uh, on uh, on the weekend? I, I expect a lot of changes. You know, uh, I think uh, Eric Tinkler is going to try to. Now test the depth of his squad. Um, obviously, you know they've been on this ten-month-long surge in in in, in, the Af- in, in, in in the rest of the continent in terms of trying to reach uh, the final of the Confederation Cup, which they they eventually done. But at the same time, you have Morgan Morgan Gould and Elena Lichulunyane suspended in the lead up to, to the first leg against Tipi mm-hmm. and then the DRC. So he's got to look for guys that can step in, and it, it starts here. It starts here now. With with this cup game against uh, Celtic and also maybe one or two league games uh, before they they Mazembe away from home. So, you know, it's going to be interesting which players he leaves out, which players he picks, you know, and he, he said it himself that he needs to test uh, his 13-man squad to see if they can take them, take them, take them through throughout the season without being, without issues of fatigue and all of that being, being raised being raised up again. Uh, but also, as you said, Wimpanten Celtic, blowing hot and cold 
It's another one of those, you know, uh, like the Golden Arrows versus Orlando Pirates situation. You, you could find that this is a, is a banana skin for, 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 for Tinker and his men as well. Maybe, you know, they're still riding high on, off of the supply of, of having reached a, 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 a continental cup final and maybe, maybe they could be brought down back to earth or this could spur them on to just keep winning, uh, every, just about every match in, in the domestic campaign. Well, you say riding high, they are a side that is indeed riding high, and rightly so after their impressive performances reaching the CAF Confederation Cup final. But, Masula Mulefa, thank you for your time this evening, and enjoy the weekend's Telkom Knockout action. I'll try. Thanks, Dan. Uh, same to you. Cheers. You're listening to Sport on SAFM, the next best thing to being at the game. SRM South Africa's news and information leader. Now, Mark Marquez needs uh, only a top two finish, I think it is, in the, in the Malaysian Grand Prix MotoGP this uh, weekend to secure his second straight world title. It's certainly building up to an exciting time, and I just wonder how he's going to be approaching this race. But as, uh, it is the business end of uh, the MotoGP season. Let's get details from somebody who knows exactly what it's like to be out on the track. Uh, South African rider, British Superbike team, uh, Everquip Racing, Bjorn Est- uh, Estmet. Uh, thanks for joining us, Bjorn. Thanks. For, uh, good to chat to you. Yeah, how's it going, man? No, happy to chat. Um, good to to be back uh, speaking to my to my homeland. <laughs> yes, yeah, it's 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 good to uh, to hear uh, I suppose South African accents every now and then. But uh, Bjorn, let's let's talk about the MotoGP. I mean, uh, Marquez has given himself a really good advantage over the field with that uh, great win in Australia, Phillip Island last weekend. If you were a betting man, and I'm not suggesting you are, I know you're involved in sport here, but would you actually bet against him claiming the title this weekend? Uh, it'd be very tricky to do that. I mean, you know, Mark Marquez has ridden a fantastic season. He's been measured. I think he leads by 20-plus points, with obviously the Vitioso having a really, really tough race in Australia. So, yeah, if you were a betting man, all odds would be on Mark Marquez to claim that second title. And, uh, yeah, I think it's, it's just a, a matter of prestige unless something goes wrong, which is very possible in motorbike racing. But uh, mm-hmm. other than that, I think Mark has pretty much got one hand on the championship at this point. Yeah, that's it. I mean, you might remember last year at Sepang, Davizioso won in uh, very wet conditions. I think Mark has only finished uh, 11th or 12th because he came off his bike at one stage, although he got back on and managed to, to, to get around the track. But uh, I believe the wet weather might be following the riders this weekend. I mean, how significantly does that actually affect riders on race day? Well, I suppose the thing with Malaysia is it is a very volatile, uh, the, the weather is very volatile there. So, you know, the conditions can change at, at the drop of a hat. And it's, I suppose it's just uh, it's up to which team has got uh, the best the best setup and the best wet setting for the race. Um, and, well, unfortunately for the rest of them, Marquez has proved many times that when the weather does change mid-race or before, he's m- more than capable and, and, te- and tends to come out on top. So... As I say, although Davizioso is arguably the strongest in the wet, um, you know, if Mark finishes second, third, fourth, fifth, I think he still wins the championship. So, yeah, it's a long shot for Davizioso, but hopefully um, the championship stays alive for the final round. Uh, it only takes one little mistake for Mark, and, and it, all, it all, all changes again. Ah, so you wanted to go down to Valencia next uh, next month. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. But, look, I mean, uh, Davizioso is a quality rider, no, no doubt, but, you know... Unfortunately for him, he's not in a position where he can simply rely on his own skills to, to make up the deficit in the remaining two races because he needs something to happen to Mark Marquez and prevent him from actually finishing top two, at least on, in, in Sepang. Does Davizioso go out and race his own race and hope for the best, or is he already perhaps considering next season? Yeah, I think uh, Davizioso can only go out and race his own race, try win it. 
try to put the pressure onto Mark, which uh, he has been known to, to crack under pressure, make silly mistakes sometimes, although that, that is uh, diminishing at a hell of a rate. He's maturing every time he gets on the bike. Remembering that he's only a young kid, I think he's still 23 years old or something like that. So, yeah, it's, there's a lot of pressure out there, but, um, you know, it is Sepang. There are another 20 riders on the grid, and we all know what happened there with uh, with Rossi a couple of years ago, and hmm. I don't for one second think Rossi's forgotten about that. So no. you never know. Rossi might give, uh, do his fellow Italian a, a favor. Let's see what happens. It's been such a such an exciting season all around. I mean, the, the last race at Phillip Island with six MotoGP bikes competing for the win. Yes. It's just brilliant to watch. Oh, it was fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. But, uh, you know, Marquez, somebody like Marquez uh, and, and Davizioso, they, they, they both seem to be in relatively good spaces at the moment. I mean, Davizioso apparently took a three-day break. He's been relaxing on Langkawi, one of the Malaysian islands. Marquez has been uh, chatting to the locals, doing a, a few sort of community things, and, and even tried his hand at badminton, I believe. So it seems that they're all cutting relatively relaxed figures but what's going through the the minds of these riders in the lead up to the race and indeed throughout qualifying to be honest in in, in my opinion i think that the pressure is actually more on on, on mark in, in a weird way because uh as far as Dobby's concerned he's probably made peace with the fact that australia would have put a big hold to his championship chance although he's still very well in it uh the pressure's on mark to convert whereas Dobby can go out as we said and race his own race and Whatever happens will happen, and if Mark's crowned, he's crowned, and if he's not, they take it to the final round. So I think Marquez will be thinking the same thing. He'll, he'll like to think that the pressure's not on him, on himself, but uh, at the end of the day, yeah, it, it's going to take some sort of... Uh, yeah, something's got to go wrong for, for, for Marquez in the race, or maybe even to the build-up to the race. Because the other thing is it only takes one little mistake, one broken wrist, one, one, one silly little mistake, and it can all, it can all go, go pear-shaped. So... I think the major thing will be for both riders to get their focus together, get their, get their heads together, and then go and do the best job they possibly can on, on, on race day. Okay, you mentioned broken wrist, and uh, I, I think this is a key, my key to ask you about somebody who, uh, who in, in, in trying to step up from Moto3 to Moto2 this year, ended up uh, breaking his wrist and arm earlier this year. Brad Brinder, the, the South African hero, who did so well to win the Moto3 title uh, last year, stepping up to Moto2, obviously the injury curtailed his, his progress initially, but what have you made of his progress since he's returned to, to action in Moto2, and in particular, his race at Phillip Island. Well, I think that, that that's a very, very good uh, choice of word, the hero. Brad is a hero. He's a, he's a South African hero, obviously, um, claiming his uh, maiden world, ti- world title last year in Moto3. And uh, stepping up onto the Moto2, um, he was doing a fantastic job pre-season. I, I watched it very closely, and unfortunately, he slipped off at, at the test and damaged his hand. And... Um, you know, that's caused him a couple of problems. Uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm quite a good friend of Brad's, and, and we all get along. And just speaking to him early season, he said he was he was struggling a bit with that hand. So for him to come back, turn it around, the last couple of races, he's just, he's just been getting stronger and stronger and stronger each time. I think it's sort of he was around 10th, then he was 7th, then I think he was 5th when I, I actually went to watch him in Austria and, and, and hang out with him a bit in Austria. And then to get this uh, the second place on the weekend, you know, just portrays who Brad is. He's a legend. He's, he's, he's doing South Africa proud out there, and he's doing the business. So he's turned he's turned a big upset uh, early season into a, a triumph towards the end, and hopefully, with a bit of luck, we'll see him claim his uh, his maiden win. We all know he can do it. Um, so 
Yeah, uh, hats off to Brad. He's doing a fantastic job. Now you say he's doing South Africa proud, but uh, we're talking to somebody who's doing South Africa proud, flying the South African flag high and indeed is an ambassador, albeit in the British Superbikes. But uh, Bjorn Esmet, thanks for your time this evening and go enjoy what should be a very entertaining weekend in Malaysia. Thanks a lot, Joe. Just a shout-out to, to Brad's brother, Darren, and Stephen Urndahl. And, you know, there's a lot of guys out there that are racing overseas and flying the flag. And we're all doing our best. Uh, and, and, and uh, you know, we try hard. And, yeah, great to ch- talk to you guys. And hopefully we'll catch up soon back in sunny South Africa. I look forward to it. Thank you. All right. Cheers, man. SAFM Sports Wrap. Time against us, but uh, just time to go back to Tandor Kamane, the Mangong Oval, South Africa, up against Bangladesh. Uh, Tandor, what's happening? SAFM Sports Wrap. So we're going to have to leave it. Uh, Nalede Muleo is up after the news of the talk shop. Don't go anywhere from Siobhan Chetty, me, Dwayne DeLocca. Have a lovely evening. Cheers. It's 7 o'clock.